Welcome to the Sam Says Podcast. I'm Samantha Oldsfry, the CEO of the Illinois Association of Medicaid Health Plans, also known as IMHIP. In this podcast, we focus on all things surrounding the Illinois Medicaid Managed Care Program. Welcome to the Sam Says Podcast. I'm Sam and Sam Says, and today I'm very happy to welcome my friend, Pat Shu, Executive Director at the Illinois Critical Access Hospital Network, uh, to share her expertise on the landscape of rural hospitals today. Pat, welcome. Thank you very much, Samantha. Sam, I really appreciate being able to work with you and Judith and the other members of your team. You just have been such a good partner to our rural hospitals and really helped us open the door to work with the Medicaid managed care plans. And it's been very helpful for us to be able to bridge between the providers and the, and the commercial and, and Medicaid community. So thank you for allowing me to be here with you today. And thank you, Pat. I think, you know, I'm so excited to talk about um, everything we're going to dive into today, because I think at the core of what it is, is, you know, partnership and how do we bridge those relationships? How do we recognize that everybody has a unique perspective and take a moment, take a step back and try to appreciate the other's perspectives and just build a stronger program? Because as we sort of look forward to 2023, which is crazy, we're at the end of the year. I know, now, I know. <laughs> you know, over here at IMHIP, we're going to be thinking a lot about how do we strengthen those partnerships? How do we strengthen our relationships? Because you, we can't improve upon the Medicaid program individually. You know, critical access hospitals can't do it alone. Medicaid health plans can't do it alone. We no. need to do it together and we need to do it with our whole ecosystem of you know, providers and community-based organizations and payers to improve upon a a program that is really ripe for um, going to the next level. We've stabilized the program and now it's um, now it's how do we grow and find additional strengths um, and take advantage of those. And one of those areas where I think often when we think we talk about Illinois from a public policy perspective, we talk about Cook County, we talk about the suburbs, you know, especially when we talk about healthcare challenges and healthcare disparities, people instantly think of the city and neighborhoods that are not well resourced or um, not well served. And that's true. But then there's rural healthcare. And so can you just give me, give our listeners sort of an overview of rural hospitals and the work you do at ICANN for those who may not be as familiar? Okay. Well, thanks, Samantha. And I'm glad you, you kind of sorted it out. We do have Cook County, we have the suburbs, and then we have what they call downstate or rural Illinois. And actually, there are 83 rural counties out of 102 in Illinois. And it, you know, covers most of the territory of Illinois. When you go from the top of the state, you know, you look at Galena and you go all the way down to Metropolis, that's a lot of, a lot of territory. So, um, you know, it's very important to do that. And what I've appreciated about the partnership is that, you know, for us to for um, the plans and, and other Medicaid to help us them better understand our rural programs. Some of them are Medicare programs and some of them are, are state programs and how rural um, entities respond and what resources they have and and how uh, we're able to problem solve together. Because no, everybody wants to be successful and we want our patients or beneficiaries to have the services that they need. And sometimes, you know, administrative tasks get in the way and uh, we 
need to be able to problem solve them and, and try to figure out how we can improve services and help people out. But anyway, the rural landscape is, is challenging because, you know, we have transportation issues. We have an older population and a, a poor population. If you look at downstate, you know, jobs aren't as, as plentiful and, and um, housing can be challenging. And, you know, I had somebody once that we do programs and um, for our hospitals, we actually in our um, our membership itself, we have all the 52 critical access hospitals, which are 25 beds or less. And then we have several small rural hospitals. And and like I said, we, we've done some programs and, on substance abuse. And I had somebody in from California that, that speaks all over the country. And they go, you mean rural communities have poverty and they, they don't have food on their table? And I said, yes. I said, you know, just because you're in an agricultural area doesn't mean that you don't have challenges. So, you know, so rural communities, do struggle with those things and so it helps so the medicaid program and things like that helps bridge the gap and and in our rural communities we need to understand how the program works better and that's where you come in and you know we have the same issues as cook county and suburban it's just spread out and the resources are different so Anyway, so that's it. We, you know, we have to deal with workforce shortages and, and all those same same things that that people deal with. But just a tr sometimes it's that trickle down effect, you know, we have to work on. So anyway, that's absolutely. And I think I must say to our listeners who cannot see me when um, Pat mentioned the, the uh, speaker from California, not realizing that there were all the same challenges in rural America, my my jaw dropped. Um, because for those of us who've been working alongside, you know, groups like ICANN and, you know, and Pat and others, we realize the challenges are the same. The workforce challenges are everywhere now. Um, providers, you know, have been underinvested in, especially past um, administrations. And so, you know, there's been consolidation within um this space, especially around community be, um, behavioral health. And so there just aren't the resources. There's still the need, but where are the resources? Where are those folks that are going to help their neighbors? Um, and then the transportation issues, you know, we talk about transportation challenges um, up, you know, up North, I live um, in, in the Chicago area and, but there is public transportation. There That's are, correct. you know, there are buses and trains and they might be in terribly inconvenient or not on time, but they exist, you go down, you know, certain counties, there's just, there's nothing. And you then down the bottom of the state and there's no local transportation. They might have, um, sometimes the hospitals will have a bus that'll go around or the county will have a, a local van that'll go around, but it's only for so many hours, mm -hmm. so many days a week. And um, so, yeah. They can't even get to the bus station. There's no bus station. So. Right. And and the and the miles traveled are so different. You know, we, you know, it's not, oh, it's five miles away, it's 10 miles away, and it's terribly inconvenient. It's hundred miles away um at times. And especially once you start talking about real like um detailed um rare specialists. And once you get into pediatrics. It's a whole nother level of challenge because pediatrics in general, we don't have as much um, within the specialist space. And and so it, if you're in a rural community, you're traveling um, often and, and you have a child with high um, needs. You're often traveling to either St. Louis 
or Chicago. And sometimes, you know, Springfield or Peoria, you might be able to get certain things. But if it's really specialized, you're probably going to Chicago or St. Louis. Yeah, and that's that's a tough part because, you know, if you have special needs children, that really is difficult. The day-to-day stuff, you know, the hospitals all have wonderful emergency departments and primary care. Really, we have pretty good access to clinics and primary care, but, you know, special needs children. But uh, an alarming thing that's really been happening of late is the OB care, you know, and and. And um, when I started the critical access program about 20 years ago with the state of Illinois, we had um, of the hospitals, now there's 52, 25 of them did OB. Now there's five, five left. And yeah, and in our rural communities, you know, these these young moms who have limited transportation, only so many dollars to put gas in, are going to have to plan differently if they're going to have a baby because they might have to go 45 miles to the hospital. And that's stressful. I have young kids. That's stressful with a normal pregnancy. Right. Mm-hmm. Once you cross that over to high risk, it's a whole nother ball game. I mean, I um you are in you're in the doctor's office sometimes if you depending on your risk level, multiple times a week. That's right. And so it it really is a challenge and you have to look for family, friends. Some of the local health departments are are helpful that they can help with transportation needs and and things like that. But it for the most part, it it is challenging getting people back and forth, you know, to that. You know, surprisingly, um, there are some large cities around the bottom of the state, you know, like in in Paducah and um, Oh, St. Gerardo and Cape Gerardo and some of those places and they help, but it's not the same. You know, we have a lot of county areas where there's poor and underserved and, and they have a great difficult time, you know, particularly minority populations and that. So, you know, that's what's really important by the partnership and Medicaid is how can we reach out better? How do we find those partnerships? And, you know, we're looking at, um, you know, some community workers and partnering like um, in the southern part of the state, um, doing some work with Southern Illinois Healthcare, Carbondale, and how can we partner with them to help some of these smaller hospitals and and, um, bridge those gaps out there? Because it really is, you know, you got special needs kids, you've got elderly that have problems. Now, telehealth has helped a lot, you know, we can get some telehealth, but not everybody has a smartphone and not everybody, you know, is able to do all those things. Um, so it, it really is a challenge. And, um, you know, I know the Department of Public of, of HFS, they've worked hard to set up new programs like behavioral health case managers and some things like that. But we need we need more workers of those downstate, you know, so if you can find a few for us, that would really help. But, uh, you know, uh, I will say that a couple of our hospitals um, in Sparta and in uh, Metropolis, uh, they have uh, they've put together rural health clinics in a mobile unit. And so they often go to the schools and they generally go to schools, um, I think once or twice a week. And then they're there in case they're special need kids or the teachers and that. And I think that's a great step forward is some of these mobile units that these local hospitals have put together and, and shout out to them for, you know, taking that next step. Absolutely. And especially as you just think of how many counties you know, just don't have access or, and how large these counties are, right? Like, so it's not even like, oh, if you just sort of 
crossover there as well. It's like these are large counties um, from a geographic standpoint, and it's there are so many challenges. And I love hearing about different creative ways um, these rural hospitals have, have tried to serve their communities um, <laughs> and serve their neighbors better. And now we talked about OB, we talked about special needs kids. Are there other sort of challenges that are sort of plaguing um, the rural hospitals um, today? Well, I think, um, you know, the, the reimbursement, you know, is is being consistent with the reimbursement with government programs and commercial. And, and I think your organization and I think the MCOs have done a good job to kind of stabilizing. So, you know, we can take the burden of, of getting bills submitted and, and those things and have a better understanding of the programs that that helps because that reduces the time the hospitals have to spend so they can spend it in other areas of in, improving um, focus in, in healthcare. One of the things that we're noticing in our um, rural communities is uh, kidney disease. And, um, you know, because of diabetes and hypertension and obesity, we're seeing a growing, you know, kidney um, kidney disease. And, you know, that creates, you know, more cost. And, and we, our goal is to keep people healthy and keeping them in their homes. And so, you know, when we start to to tackle these diseases, you know, we've been working on diabetes and hypertension. So another, on, another um, you know, an, uh, environment is the kidney disease. And, you know, and, and COVID is, has struck, we've got long haulers. We've, uh, our rural communities have done a nice job of developing pulmonary rehab programs so that they can can do that and wellness and, and exercise. But, you know, back to just the, the geographics of rural Illinois is that some county, you know, they may only have a KC store. So where are you going to get your fresh fruits and vegetables? You might get milk and bread and gas, but, you know, some of those things are a real challenge. And so um, local health departments play some some important roles because they can have WIC programs and help with milk and cheese and some of those things. But um, the challenges is just community partnerships. How do we continue to build them and, and reach out into those areas? And I know HFS with their healthcare transformation initiative have tried to focus in on those those groups out there that we can't seem to reach. And, and I know that's what the Medicaid managed care plans, they've been trying to help us to do that and, and special projects and, um, you know, makes a difference, you know, when you can outreach to them and, and um, working on the transportation issue is probably if we can fix the transportation issue, we, we've done a lot because that's just getting people to the right place at the right time. So in, in ICANN, you know, it's it's an organization that we work a lot with peer review, helping hospitals with their operations. And we do a lot to connect um, the pharmacies with pharmacists with the pharmacists and the nurses with the nurses so they can share problems and educate. And so that's probably sometimes we knock on your door and say, hey, we're having this problem where, you know, people don't seem to understand how rural health clinics are paid. And so you've played a, an enormous uh, part in, in helping that and helping the plans understand that and so that we can get people in for their care and we can do the outreach and we can do that. Um, and I'm pleased to see a lot of our rural health clinics and our rural communities, they're adding uh, social workers 
And we're able to do a lot of that. And, and HFS and other groups are funding those programs. And so we can do that. Uh, but we have we still have a work to do with connecting with substance use disorders and, and the schools. And, um, and we haven't even addressed long-term care because, you know, we have Medicaid populations of people in long-term care facilities. And, you know, the cost of care is going up and how many dollars? And, you know, are there enough providers to take care of people in long-term care? care and in their rehab and in getting them home so there's so I mean there's so much and and there are though when I think of all of the challenges and even I love this is why um I love working with you Pat is that even as you're listing out the challenges that lay before us in rural health care you are sprinkling in but we're adding social workers or we have these transformation projects or the health plans and the health departments have been able to help with this or help with that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it just highlights ICANN's approach to, we can acknowledge there are problems, but we can't stop there. We have to say, all right, what are we going to do to fix them? And that's, that seems to be, you know, the approach your organization takes, but also the rural critical access hospitals who say, all right, my community needs this and it doesn't exist. How are we going to find those resources? What are we going to do? And I know that they've rolled out and you've already mentioned some amazing programs to solve these complex challenges. I don't want to have our listeners end on like, oh my gosh, rural healthcare is, you know, it is in such a horrible situation because it's not. There are beautiful bright spots and right. beautiful there, successes. Yeah, there really are. And I'm glad you you turned it to a positive. You know, we, we can talk about all the, the issues and, and we're trying to problem solve all the time. And there there have been issues since I've been involved in healthcare for some 40 years. You know, it just seems to cycle again. But, you know, um, you know, like for instance, a rural hospital in their community, if, if the ambulance is not able to function anymore, what who takes over the ambulance? The rural hospital, like Wabash General Hospital, they took over their ambulance a, a couple of years ago. And what are they doing trying to help and outreach with the community? Um, uh, Paris in um, uh, Edgar County, you know, called Horizon Health, you know, they're using their ambulance. They had to take over their ambulance and they're doing mobile health and the fact that they're sending people out in the community to do well checks and, and so forth like that. So those are ways that we can really help. But what we haven't done is is really develop the community health worker role, which we're we're our, our next stage of implementation. I know in the uh, Collar and uh, Cook County, there's been more efforts with that, but um, Illinois uh, Department of Public Health and the Public Health Institute and SIH and SIU, you know, all those those groups, they're, they're trying to create some education program. And so if we can help get these community workers going, they can maybe help bridge with these community-based groups because of food pantries, you know, they continue to grow. Like I said, they mentioned that they couldn't believe in an agricultural area that people would have shortage of food, but they do. And so we have to come up with food pantries and and places for people. Um, even in Princeton, uh, I live in Bureau County, which is rural, about 8,000 people. And we had um, somebody living underneath our uh, caboose. And uh, we had to work with them to try to get them the resources. They had no resources. And and so 
we're trying to find that bridge that the hospital can help and find community groups that can help. And, and that really helps, you know, all together and, and taking care of, of people. And that's what HFS and your plans do is they're, they're the last, they're the last, right. You know, they're the last, last effort to, to help some of these beneficiaries. And, and it's very important that we, we treat people fairly and that we do what we can. And, and uh, we're seeing more diversity in our rural communities and, and so we want to be able to respond to them and, and culturally being able to help them and, and treat them fairly. And, and people say, oh, poor rural communities. Well, you know, they have their challenges, but they have risen to the occasion. They have worked hard and, and put up mobile units. They've done fairs. They've offered free screenings and um, worked hard. You know, when, you know, like we still have some challenges when there's workforce shortage. If you're the um, hospital and somebody came into you and they need a transfer. Sometimes these rural hospitals call 50, 60 hospitals to transfer a patient in, in need, and they can't do it. So what do they do is they roll up their sleeves, they get on telemedicine, and they and the staff are well-trained, but um, they do the best they can until they get somebody to, um, you know, specialty care. So, you know, it's building those partnerships. And what we try to do, Sam, you and I try to do is get rid of that administrative burden so people can do their jobs by better communications, by better partnerships. And so people can be assured of, of, of safe and, and a healthy place to live. Oh, Pat, I love that. And I think I often, I love the way you described that, you know, HFS and the plants were sort of that, you know, if you will, that safety net. You're that last safety net. That's right. And we're the last safety net often. The rural hospitals, the last safety net. If something doesn't go, you know, they have to do have to make the difference. And there's times people have put somebody in a car and driven them 30, 40 miles just to get care from the hospital because we want the best for that community. It's really about taking care of our community. And I think that's one thing, whether we, you know, COVID was just really awful. You know, we, we can talk about all the, the negatives that came up. But I think it, it did create a sense of community, particularly in the rural areas, because, you know, the prisons worked with the local hospital, the um, the health departments, the schools, the nursing homes, the community centers, you know, everybody met on a periodic basis. What can we do for you to help? And, and uh, HFS and the plans, I mean, they made funding available and, and things like that. And so, but I, I think we're trying to create that sense of community. And that's what we're about. I mean, in the urban areas in Calor, you have your community. Ours just looks a little different. We just have to drive a little further, have to shovel maybe a little more snow. <laughs> When it comes, you know, with Christmas and the and the bad seasons there, but um, you know, we you know these people are committed and and taking care of um of their local community, and you know that's why food you have food and and you have uh, natural resources and that because you have people living in those rural communities, and so I appreciate that you know. I am MPH, um, you, you really reach out, you're helping bring the plans closer to us so that we can work together and uh, we can do a good job, you know, one step at a time, right? One step at a time, building stronger communities together. Oh, Pat, thank you so much for joining me. I really, this conversation has been so great. 
Well, thank you for having me and uh, wish everybody the best and, and and know that when they go through rural communities, it's safe and we'll do a good job of taking care of you. But we're always here trying to fix and make it better. Right, Sam? Absolutely. Absolutely. To our listeners, to learn more about what I'm Hip is doing and to listen to other interesting podcasts like this one, we encourage you to visit our website at imhip.org. And don't forget to like and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. I'm Samantha Oltz-Fry, the Sam and Sam Says. As always, thanks for joining us. And until next time, be well and stay safe.